0: Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. Hello, lads and lasses, and welcome back to the Video Game Lounge podcast. I'm one of your lovely hosts, Kevin. And as always, my adorable as a button co-host, Andrew, is here with me. Andrew, how you doing this fine week?
1: Hi. I feel adorable now.
0: (laughs) He's blushing. It's weird. Not really.
1: (laughs) It's that Irish flush.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, how the fuck are you doing besides the Irish uh, flush, uh, as you call it?
1: I'm doing okay. Um, Finally, off being on call this week. So I'm able to drink. I'm able to not have to worry about being called in and I can actually relax a little. So it's a good end to the week.
0: Well, that's good. Uh, Not to unveil the curtain too much, but we actually postponed editing or I'm sorry, recording the podcast until Andrew was off because, you know, we like to drink, obviously, when we record this. So we're recording this on April 1st, April Fool's Day. Uh, Do you have any good April Fool's done on you yet, Andrew? Any? Nope, thankfully. <laughs> I know the gaming community as a whole loves pulling pranks. Uh, oh, yes. Last episode, we talked about the Sonic and Tails in Melee. That came from an April Fool's joke from Electronic Gaming Monthly.
1: Didn't uh, Bringing Back Aerith? Wasn't that one of them, too?
0: Oh, God. That, I think that one was just people hoping and praying that they could bring her back, because I know I fucking wanted her back at my party. Bitch, I gave you Materia. Give it back.
1: Have you seen uh, Elgato's tweet? Elgato uh, talked about having a retro cam for <laughs> April Fool's Day, and they have a whole video, like a couple videos on it. It's great. They they really w- leaned into the April Fools.
0: Now there was a Metal Gear 35th anniversary website that popped up yesterday, which by the time someone found it, it was technically April Fools, April 1st on, you know, the other side of the world. So I'm excited to see if anything comes with that, because I think June is 35 years for Metal Gear. uh, Talking about the original Metal Gear. So it'd be exciting to... Metal uh, Gear! Metal Gear! Finally, be exciting to see something done with that franchise that I will not cry at. Uh, I know me and my wife... uh, I was doing chores this morning, and I heard my wife watch Good Mythical Morning, which we watch all the time. I got her into it years ago. And they always do an April Fool's joke. My mom has been on maternity leave for over a month now, like a month and a half, I think. So she doesn't really know what day it is. So she started watching it, and their episode was titled, and spoilers for anyone who watches Good Mythical Morning. They labeled it, we spent a million dollars at a dollar store. So it's like a 20-minute episode. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, all right, I know this is a joke, but maybe it isn't. Maybe they went, bought all these things, and they donated the toys to these kids or whatever. And it's a 20-minute long video, and they make it into a game because they love competing against each other. They spent the entirety of the 20 minutes explaining the game. <laughs> and like 10 minutes in, my wife's invested. She's like glued to the TV. I'm like, Joe, you know they're not going to go to the dollar store, right? She's like, I know. I know. Wait, what do you mean? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, today's April Fool's Day. They're not, this is a joke. They're just going to explain the rules of this game that get fucking harder to understand as the video goes on. It didn't get me, but, you know, that one was one that I came across today. I haven't come across any video game related ones. Nice. Like we said earlier, we postponed recording this till today so we could both drink. So I think that's a perfect. Time to get into our segment of What Yeah, Drinking?
1: Just like we mentioned, I am no longer on call, so I am ready to drink. I am starting out with a MGD, Miller Genuine Draft. After that, I'm going to be going to a woodchuck. Amber, and then after that I'm going to be going to a, uh, what, an Orange Smash, all of which we have previously discussed, all of which are incredibly tasty, and I'm going progressively harder as the day goes on.
0: (laughs) Did you have these already pre-made? Like, are they just lined up on your computer desk right now while recording? I had
1: considered that, but no, they are uh, four feet away in my fridge, staying cool.
0: Now, was that something that you were looking forward to as the week? Got shittier and shittier at work, as most work weeks do. Because <laughs> the work week never starts off shit and then ends great. It's always like you go in, it's like, all right, this week's not gonna fuck me over, and then Wednesday comes around, and you're like, nah, shit. It's not Friday yet. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> it's it's happening.
1: No, I mean, uh, well, we've talked about how I had those blood oranges. Before and I was hoping that it was more of like the oranges, but it wasn't. It was a little disappointing because the oranges are just so delicious. So I think it was last weekend. My wife and I were at the liquor store and we ended up seeing them there again. And I'm like, even even if they're they were I think thirteen bucks for a 4 12 ounces, I got those orange smashes. They're worth it. They're tasty.
0: It is starting in uh, summer weather. Yesterday was around here, at least it was like 75 degrees. It was mm-hmm. storming, but it was still 75. And today,
1: <laughs> three days ago, it was snowing.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure the day before I texted my wife and I said, hey, I see snowflakes. Yep. That's just good old eastern shore weather. Welcome to Maryland. <laughs> I I have to mow my lawn, but I'm I feel like it's dumb to cut my grass when it's cold outside. I don't want to wear a, a jacket while I'm mowing the lawn. Right. Like I've done it before
1: with a hoodie. And I felt weird about it. We wearing shorts. Yes, you
0: can't cut grass without <laughs> shorts on. If you wear pants, then you're my my father who wears white New Balances. the way, most uh, grass that way when it's done, they're green New Balances.
1: That's the uh, that's the parental way. You have to have the white <laughs> New Balances whenever you're mowing the grass. You have to have the white shorts or khaki shorts whenever you're on the grill on the porch.
0: I don't I, you know I I just came with that I don't have the white New Balances but I did just buy some parts for the grill that my neighbor gave me. Uh, I had to replace some things on it so that's just that's coming this weekend. So I'm actually super excited. I'm going to throw some shit on the grill. Maybe maybe I'll go to like Walmart and get some new balances and fucking rock that shit out proper.
1: You got to get either a polo shirt or a Hawaiian shirt to go with it.
0: I already got one. That reminds me of the meme where uh there's a, like hawaiian shirt hanging up and the son sends a picture of it to their dad like hey dad can i wear this night and he's like don't fucking touch that take your mom out to chilies <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: my going out shirt <laughs>
0: yeah what the fuck i just got that dry cleaned oh man
1: what are you drinking today
0: i guess to be as old as possible because you guys know i love my old drinks I'm drinking what's called a Moscow Mule. Ooh, yeah! In a copper uh, mug? No, because <laughs> I don't have any copper mug. Ca- copper's expensive these days. Some you, you haven't guy. stolen one from a restaurant yet? <laughs> no, man. I don't go to restaurants that have copper. They don't even have copper piping. What are you insane? I go to I don't go to fine dining <laughs> With establishments. These old
1: galvanized pipes.
0: But no, for those that don't know, Moscow Mule is you take two ounces of vodka and uh, like half an ounce to an ounce of fresh lime juice. Go ahead and shake that up. Then you're going to pour some ginger beer or ginger ale. I have ginger ale on stock in my house. So I have ginger ale. And then you know, mix that up some and then put a little lime wedge on the corner. And that's a Moscow mule. Very, very simple. Very elegant. You will be made fun of just like I do for every time I drink anything that is older than 2020. Do you think they're going to make a coronavirus drink? Oh, I'm
1: sure that they already have. I mean, why wouldn't they make something that... Oh, you weren't able to go out to the bars for so long. Well? <laughs> this thing? Oh, well, it, it fucked you up last year, two years ago. Let it fuck you up again. Drink this, you'll be on the floor within 10 minutes.
0: Speaking of fucked up, now I know on this podcast we don't talk about too many recent events, but this came out yesterday uh did you see andrew e3 is not going to happen this year live or digital
1: i saw something about that but i didn't get to really look into it
0: it's upsetting uh don't get me wrong i've e3 has gone downhill but it's it's always nice to have three days of just so much gaming shit getting thrown at your face from all the companies and sony went out and they kind of did their own thing nintendo did nintendo direct but it was still nice to see different companies put forth so much effort into these big-ass shows. And don't get me wrong, sometimes it bitch in the ass. Um, still waiting on Beyond Good and Evil 2. Uh, still waiting on Metroid Prime 4. You know, so it's not always the best, but it's always fun to get excited watching these, these game announcements. Like, what are they going to show next? Oh my god, they're doing Breath of the Wild 3? They're skipping 2?
1: Oh, the hype of it, the collective trailers, having everybody be engaged in it at the same time because it's being released and everybody's watching it. It's not just like, oh, did you see this thing that was released on Twitter just like four hours ago, seven hours ago, and then people are watching it staggered. No, everyone watched it at the same time. It's fresh. It's live.
0: I agree with that. Um, Did you also see Breath of the Wild 2 got delayed till 2023? Sadness. Sadness, but Honestly, I'm okay with it after hearing about all these companies that were, like, driving their employees to the dirt. Yep. Good on them for deciding that they should, you know, delay it out.
1: I mean, we've seen plenty of games that have come out that have been forced or peer pressured into coming out sooner than what they should have, like Cyberpunk. And it had so much potential. A lot of them have so much potential. They could be fantastic. That's just like with uh, GTA Six how GTA 6 is going to have four maps that are just going to be massive and they keep delaying it because of the different productions that they're trying to work with it. I think that's probably why they also decided to make their GTA plus because GTA 5 is still a hit in the online and they want to try to recoup some money.
0: Don't get me started on GTA <laughs> plus. I Oh that mm. I want to know the numbers of the people that sign up for GTA plus or whatever the fuck it's called.
1: Well, I'm sure you got to keep the servers up and going. You have to keep the content fresh and new on a game that has been out for so long. They're not making the money off of the 60, 80, 90 new releases because people have had the game for so long. People are still on the same servers. I it's it's still a money grabber.
0: Uh pushing past the more recent events that have taken place this past week. It's been I feel like it's been a big big week for gaming news. Let's go ahead and talk about Something that we actually enjoy doing, not getting angry at reading the news, is what you playing? You just got, bold, bold. Bold, bold.
1: You just got Well, you know. This is still playing some Genshin Impact and some more, so
0: have they updated Genshin Impact in a while? I feel like uh, I haven't heard too many new things. They
1: just released a new update that added a new character that everyone's raving about, as well as uh, a new area. And that's something that has been missing for a while, is an actual new, explorable area. But I've gotten to the point where I'm a little burnt out. Maybe I just need to take a little sabbatical and then come back and check up on it. But the new area looks alright. Um, of course, they're, they've added different aspects to it. New in-world engagements of how you can manipulate around the map so it it does look interesting i have given it a little bit of a try warzone i've seen already with different gameplays that today april 1st they have done april fools interactions on warzone so i'm definitely going to play some of that later uh rebirth island has a mode there it's what called totally normal Totally normal BR and totally normal rebirth. And you, as soon as you are running through in the plane, like or the helicopter about to land, there's already a loadout dropping. And it's all dropping in the same area, so you have 40 people that can just massive run to this one area that has everybody's loadout there, and then it's just a firing match. And there was a firefight! But in... The large map, not in rebirth island in the large map, I've seen that there's, they've tweaked with some of the, uh, dynamics, the explosive lethals like bazookas and such. They don't explode. You, you could shoot a bazooka at an enemy and instead of blowing up or creating an explosion, it literally launches the person in the air backwards, like a little gravity hammer. It just, they, (laughs) bounce backwards like 40 feet
0: but it doesn't cause any damage
1: i don't know i haven't seen the uh i haven't seen the receiving end i've just seen people that have been actually like trying to cause damage and instead of actually exploding on them they throw a semtex grenade and then poof someone <laughs> when they instead of taking damage or uh blowing up as it normally would they fly through the air they do a little bunny hop about 30 feet so it it seems like it should be a, a fun, interesting thing, the way that Raven Software has been able to do Warzone today. Uh, but I've also been playing Tales of Arise, a game that you got me for Christmas. I I was very excited. I was thinking I was at the end. I was like, this has been a fun game. I might actually beat a game, and then I can talk about it. <laughs> but I got to the end of what I thought was going to be the story, what I thought was going to be the conclusion and the finale and it wasn't and there's more i don't know how much more
0: and andrew was like my street continues <laughs>
1: <laughs> i aim to not disappoint yes but i'm still playing a little on that um working to build up my levels and beat all the little mini bosses that are around in the area and there is a monster guide that'll tell you like how many monsters you've discovered of the the common class and the like slightly bigger aggro monsters and then like the little mini boss monsters around the maps. Before I started to go around to go after all the little mini bosses, I had nine of like twenty one or twenty three already found and beaten. So I've done at least a good six or seven since then. So I feel like I'm I'm making good headway and I'm gonna try to see how well I can complete this one.
0: No, I'm glad you're enjoying it, man. I uh I can't remember I think when I bought that I was like, man, I'm not sure if he's gonna like really enjoy this game i didn't i haven't followed the tale series too much i don't know if they fell off the deep end or not of as far as having fun with it is
1: right and i was curious about that too
0: i'm glad you're enjoying it
1: i am too for my first ps5 game
0: hell yeah i'm hoping next recording we uh you'll be able to beat it and tell us that you finally beat a game in 2022 it's gonna be Super duper. The the folks are edge of their seat waiting. Don't wait too hard.
1: But what about you? What have you been playing recently?
0: I've played two games. Uh, first was Elden Ring. Obviously still still playing the shit out of that. Um, still loving that game. I, uh, I kind of went back into the Dark Souls universe. Uh, I've been watching a lot of people play randomizers on YouTube with the original Dark Souls because uh, I don't have a whole lot of time to play about 40 hours into Elden Ring now I think last time I checked I can't remember I have to next time I log on I'll have to check but um I'm excited I don't want that game to end and it feels like it never does because I think I talked about this last time when you first start out the map is huge like you open up the map and it's it's fucking enormous well then like you go up north and you find a new map, and the map actually extends, and you're like, "Okay, well, that's fucking huge and then you go to some spot, you open up a treasure chest, you get teleported somewhere and you go fucking like way northeast and the map gets bigger and it's like, okay, now it's fucking massive." then you find out that there's an underground to this whole gigantic map Ooh. so it's like it's like the game it just never ends, and I love it it's one of those it's one of those games where I just I don't want it to end and I'm having so much fun because some games I'm like I'm always hesitant to play too much because it's one of the games I don't want to end right so then I, I scale it back i I prevent myself from playing it 16 hours a day so I can enjoy this um the other game that I played was not like that uh, I got immensely engrossed in it I uh could not put it down i I, I finally beat it it took me about three days. I'm going to go back and 100% it if I can. It's a game called Tunic. It's um Nice. It's Zelda slash Dark Souls inspired. Uh, the combat is a little tricky at some points. Mostly just the bosses. The bosses uh, can fuck you up. The main people, not so much. Uh, this game is very, very interesting. You can play this entire game and not find any of the secrets. And you'll be fine. You'll enjoy the game. What this game does very well is its secrets. And I won't spoil too many secrets because, Andrew, I know you're going to play this and I know you're going to fucking love it. I will say that one of the coolest aspects of the game was you start out, and it has its own language. Um, like, literally, it's they created their own language. And you can turn that into English. It's not part of the game. Someone, from what I was reading after I beat the game, someone translated it into English And it's not part of the game that tells you how to translate it. It's not like this means A or whatever.
1: They just decipher the code. and Yeah.
0: And there's a really deep story behind it. So I can't wait to go back and and see what the story is about. Because it seems very interesting just from what they show you. So it's very just visual story. But what's interesting is, so this game favors like a Nintendo like NES or Super Nintendo game, where you start out, it doesn't tell you shit, alright, it's kind of like Zelda 1, where you, you get plopped down, and you fucking go, and you can go wherever you want, if you can, some plots you can't because you need an item to cut across or whatever, so you come across this little glowing square, and the glowing square is part of the game manual that would come with the NES game or the Super Nintendo game, whatever, and you're collecting these manual pages throughout the entirety of the game and the, the they kind of break down on what to do uh, they don't even start out on like page 1 like i think the first one you collect is page 12 or something and it's like it shows it shows pictures and it'll it has three words that it might be english and it's like it shows the little fox character you play as and he's like press a and it shows him swinging the sword and it's like well obviously that's how you fucking swing the sword And that's how you learn the game, by collecting these little notebooks. But then, inside the pages are so many secrets to puzzles that you haven't even come across or you came across from the very beginning of the game. Or there's stuff that you could have done since the very beginning of the game, but you didn't know how because you didn't even know that was a thing you could do. It's insane how much love and detail went into the game. And I can't wait to go back. And try my best, 100%, without looking. I haven't looked up anything yet, and I feel like I might have to. I was literally sitting on the couch. This was, um, was a couple of nights ago. I was sitting on the couch, and it was like nine or ten. My wife was about to go upstairs, go to sleep, and I was like, "Joe, look at this puzzle." I was like, "I'm opening, like, I'm literally, I'm opening up the manual that's in the game, and I'm like going to this certain page. I'm like, okay, this is this, okay." And I could flip back like 30 pages. And I'm like, so this page talks about that page. And this page means it's the page corner. So these are all pages. What does it mean? And she's like, well, and she like looks at it. And we, she sat down there for like 30 minutes, dog ass tired, just because she got so engrossed in this puzzle. It, it, it captivates you so well. Now, that game, what, what saddens me the most and, this is with some games, and it's not that big of a deal, but I wish it came out later on in the year because I feel like when Game of the Year nominees come up, this is going to be forgotten. And I know it's very early, but this game is amazing, and I feel like it has the potential to be Game of the Year. But since it's so small, like, no one's going to forget Elden Ring came out. Right. 2022. But I feel like this game being so so small, uh, I feel like it might be forgotten. And honestly, I might forget it because I have a terrible memory. Uh, that it came out in 2022
1: it might become a hidden gem
0: maybe maybe which is what we're going to be talking about in a little bit nice little segue Uh, (laughs) but if you have an xbox or a pc please buy this game very fun tunic is the name of it if you love zelda if you love dark souls combined then you would love this game and if you love puzzles then you'll love this game
1: and it was free on game
0: pass in march Uh, it was day one release, March 16th was when it came out, so. And our buddy, our uh, boy John's playing it. He, uh, he talked about it. He was like, hey man, you guys would definitely love this. I already knew about it. I had already had it downloaded when he said something. Andrew, I think you downloaded it because he said something. But you haven't tried it out yet, right?
1: I had already seen, um, I had already seen it in anticipation. I wanted to play it, but I didn't realize that it had just released. So, I did go and I downloaded it. I haven't started it up yet because I wanted to give it full attention after I beat Tails.
0: Nice, nice. No, I can't. I'm excited for you to play this. But Andrew, like you were saying earlier, this could be a hidden gem, possibly, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Which is what today's discussion is uh, talking about. Uh, Not only hidden gems, but also games we feel like don't get enough attention that we feel like they deserve, they might not be fantastic games but they still deserve love and attention i won't go into that a little bit further but first i want to talk to you guys about another group from creative brain candy and they are known as sadix Uh, and here they are to explain what the fuck they talk about in their podcast hi i'm jason and i'm rob and, and we were, we're from, from smoking, smoking and Drinking, drinking in Space. space. Oh, whoa, hold on. I thought this was a commercial for Smoking and Drinking in Capes, a superhero podcast from a couple guys who No, visited. no, no. This is the commercial for Smoking and Drinking in Space, a sci-fi podcast no, from... they don't want to listen to a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. It's old hat. We've been doing it for years. At least it's not shallow and vapid like that show with a couple guys who wish they had powers. I mean, what's you up know, with that? you're
1: shallow and vapid. I'm just going to eat my fuck out.
0: And you're an idiot. And you can catch both of us on Smoking and Drinking in Capes and Smoking and Drinking in Space it at Creative it. Brain Andy.com along with many other great podcasts. Like we said before the commercial break, uh, this episode is about hidden gems or games we feel like just need a little bit more attention brought on them. We need the spotlight shined directly on top of them. Obviously, you know, you've guys heard of such monstrosity of games as like Halo and God of War, Resident Evil, all that. So we're, we're not talking about those. We're talking about games that, those games came out and they might have just outshined them just because of their sheer popularity. Like when Resident Evil 2 came out, you might not have heard of Dino Crisis because of Resident Evil 2 coming out. Like who gives a fuck about Dino Crisis when we have Resident Evil 2, one of the greatest horror series of all time. Now there there will be one or two on here that are kind of big, but we still feel like they didn't get the attention they, they deserve. When people talk about this series they don't talk about these games they get just brushed by the wayside because of the other ones in the game and the series are so well known and the other thing is a lot of these games they're older because I feel like it takes time as the console gets older for the hidden gems to start getting unearthed but these games are expensive on eBay on Amazon wherever you buy your, your games so Whatever way you can, some of these games have been ported over to some kind of either Steam or an eShop or something like that. Uh, Some of them you can play on Switch's SNES library. But just if you can try them out, don't necessarily have to go on eBay and spend $500 to buy this game that we think you should try out.
1: This game wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Yeah,
0: just I feel like give these games a chance if you can. And then you'll decide on yourself if it's worth the the exuberant amount of money that it takes. Andrew, would you like to start this episode with whatever one that you so desire?
1: Sure. So, one of mine is going to be back from the Sega Genesis era. And it is a game that we've talked about before, and and Kevin and I have played extensively when we were kids. It's called Crusader of Senti. Now, uh, with Crusader of Senti, you're basically. In this eagle eye view of a, a free room world, it's similar to an aspect of like Legend of Zelda a Link to the Past. You are 14 years old, and because you just turned 14, you are allowed to have your, your late war hero father's sword and shield. But story progresses, and you get like a curse on you that you can't talk to humans anymore. But you find out you can talk to animals and plants. And you find out that there's a lot more going on in the world than just what's going on with the humans. Why are monsters attacking? Well, you can eventually figure that out if you start talking to the animals and whatnot. There is a lot that you can unlock and explore. You can do a lot of the the story with just, you know, where you can talk to animals and plants, but You don't unlock the second half of the game until you can start talking to humans again. Spoiler. But you start out by having your dog companion that you can talk to. And he's like, he's snarky, you know, because he's been talking shit behind your backs because you're just some runty kid. But you eventually start to befriend other animals, all of which have secret abilities that help you to fight against monsters and to progress further along in the story. And I mean, they're super fun. You get a cheetah that helps you run like three times your speed. A penguin that can you, uh, you can shoot ice blasts. The, just the different aspects of finding these animals, using them and their abilities solo or duo. Because you can have two animals working at the same time. and Some of them can have combos of how their abilities affect each other when you use them it's 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 a really fun story it's a fun dynamic and i remember kevin used to always make fun of it because the second animal that you interact with to get is a rabbit and the rabbit teaches you how to jump and kevin was always like how the fuck are you 14 and you don't know how to jump
0: (laughs) i mean you do it by accident i'm pretty sure my Almost two month year old daughter's already like halfway there by kicking her legs and shit. She just has to stand up, right?
1: But I guess you know that world they don't have good leg muscles. Not until you can talk to rabbits.
0: At fourteen, you're old enough to fight for your homeland, but you can't jump yet. That's against the king's law. All right? That's a that's a good game. And that like I said before, that is one of the more expensive ones. That I feel like we're gonna talk about that game is stupid expensive. Oh yes. <laughs> and Andrew lost his copy. <laughs> Oh yes. (laughs) Oh yes.
1: (laughs) Much sadness.
0: Much sadness. I think I'm going to start my conversation by talking about probably one of my most expensive lists. Chibi Robo for the GameCube came out in 2006. I loved this game. I believe my sister had it. Uh, Either that or I bought it from GameStop, one of the two. But it's a very, very fun game. GameCube had some some really weird games, they really went out of the box as far as what your typical gaming is. Oh, yes. But this was, this was uh, you played a tiny little robot, and he had an extension cord come out of his butt, like a tail. And you went around this house, you, you were in this, this house, and you were bought because you were basically like a Roomba. You went around the house cleaning shit. And whenever you clean stuff, you unlock... You get these points called, like, happy points and stuff. And you can spend them on upgrades. You can... You can go farther because you... Basically, you ended the day for Chibi-Robo by... You ran out of power. So you had to go get plugged into a wall and recharge. And you ran out of power by using using his helicopter hat or using his gun or cleaning or whatever. Imagine... Inspector Gadget, except he's ten centimeters tall, and he's a robot. That's basically what Chibi Robot was. Just vast amounts of upgrades, very unique uh, puzzle aspect to it. Just trying to figure out how to get to certain spots. It just just great all around game and doesn't really fit in a certain genre of video games. I don't know if I still have my copy or not. I wish I did because I would love to play it again. Did have a DS sequel. Which you can probably find for 90 cents. Uh, and that's with the Amiibo. Uh, the The DS game was very, very poorly rated. But this game. I wish it got a good sequel. Because uh, the game was amazing. Uh, I, I couldn't put it down. And I don't know if that was the different upgrades. That kept me so drawn in. You know, I love my upgrades. Or if it was just the the visuals of it the visuals were very bright happy go lucky it was it's a very fun game did you ever play it
1: Andrew no that's one that I I, I saw the little plug of a tail and <laughs> it just it screamed like that's way too Japanese for me <laughs> but that was that was how I felt back then I'm sure I would like jump on that
0: in a heartbeat now no nah, you definitely definitely something they should try and and see if you can. I know in your luck you'll probably get on a Facebook Marketplace for like five hours complete fucking still on the wrap.
1: Yep. Merry Christmas. <laughs> my next one's I'm I'm gonna have to say it's a off Sega CD. It's called Dark Wizard. Now this is a game that Kevin and I both played but most importantly we originally started playing it because my dad would play it. My dad would play it for hours. He would still be awake at two o'clock in the morning when he had to be to work at five o'clock in the morning playing this game. If you are a fan of strategy games, um, this, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. The overworld is like risk. You have different areas and maps that you need to conquer and then expand your uh, domination. You can go into each of the little areas and maps and the way that it's set up is it's, it's all like a hexagonal pieces on the map. Hexagonal? That's the right word, right? They're little hexagons. It's not, squ- it's not squares. It's
0: got six sides. <laughs>
1: it's <laughs> a little hexagon. Each of the spaces for a person or an empty space is, um, a hexagon all throughout the map. It's turn based. So your entire turn, enemy's entire turn, and you are taking over. Castles and land as you're expanding your conquest. The entire part of the story starts out with the king dies and you take over as the ruler. Well, as you do that, you start out with low class monsters or hobbits, dwarves, elves that can all be promoted, change their class, you can give them better equipment. And there's even little uh, secrets throughout the games and different parts of the maps that are very fun to find as well. The way that you can just create this empire and expand like you would uh, with Risk, you're keeping patrols on the borders where you're not attacking in certain turns. Like if you think of the map, you have a border that is your control, then enemy control, You have to put up sentries at that border while you are fighting at a different front. So that way, your land doesn't get taken over while you're fighting over on the east side. The south side border isn't being overrun. It's very tactical. Like I said, it's very risk-esque. I wouldn't even say Command and Conquer. If you've played more recent games like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics and and things like that, Think of a more larger scale. And it's definitely worth a try.
0: Yeah, definitely if you enjoy Fire Emblem games, I would suggest uh Dark Wizard for the Sega C D. Uh just gotta, you know, get a Sega a Sega C D and the game in order to play it. <laughs> so good luck good luck with all those. Um I know I remember I was trash at it, that's what I remember of the game. And they the the, the your units were color coordinated. Like, your enemies, I mean, you were red and the enemies were bluer or something, or vice versa. Yep. But no, I, I remember I was trash at that game. Still am. Played it a few years ago, and I was like, God, I'm terrible at this. I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> Next on my <laughs> list, um game that I used to rent from Hollywood Video all the time called Claymates. It's a 1994 on Super Nintendo. Very, very cool-looking game. Everything was kind of clay <laughs> Uh, obviously, his name as as it's named. Uh, but you play as a boy named Clayton because he can turn into a ball of clay. And whenever you attacked, you would be like a little sphere of clay. And whenever you attacked, a gigantic fist would come out, and you can punch things.
1: I remember it now. Yeah, <laughs> I kept thinking Clay Fighter, and I'm like, that's not right. But then I remember you transforming into this little ball and this fist coming out like pow.
0: <laughs> no, uh, your your father was a scientist. He gets abducted. He had some kind of serum, and you take the serum, and you can transform into a ball of clay, which can also transform into five different animals throughout the game, and use the five different animals to complete levels depending on what you need to do. So you could have been Muxter the cat, Dodo the duck, Uzi the mouse, Goopy the guppy, and Globmeister the gopher. I'm not sure where they got the the name for the gopher from, but um. I mean, it's your typical Super Nintendo platformer game. I think the visuals is what always stuck in my mind. It was a very tough game for me growing up, but I feel like that was probably just me trying to beat the game as fast as possible not actually like going at things, thinking about how I could best progress. Never, I never did beat the game. I want to go back and, and beat the game. It's a very interesting game with the fact that you have to change... Your person, in order to do different things and traverse them, the different levels on uh, Claymates. I remember even the opening sequence was like interesting because even the logo, all the, the animals had the different clay colors on there. It's a very pretty game, and you guys know I'm a sucker for very artful, pretty games. So if you feel like you've played every single platformer on the Super Nintendo, I highly suggest you try Claymates because that's one that. I don't think very many people have played... I don't know what... I remember renting that game numerous times. And I remember, that's because I couldn't repeat it. But I don't know what drew me to it. I was like, I gotta, I gotta play this game again. I got the itch. I got the itch. I gotta play Claymates. What do you got next, Andrew, for your hidden gems? I'll
1: go a little more recent uh, to 2019. For any of the anime fans that have actually given One Piece a chance. Now, I know that you've just been recently getting more into anime kev um one piece even though it has over a thousand episodes i'm telling you they're all fucking good there's there's not like the naruto fillers because they needed a chance to catch up with the manga no they're they're all fucking good and they and the problem with like the current episodes that are coming out now is that there's so many different characters so you have all sorts of different stories that are happening happening simultaneous that it just feels like a Dragon Ball Z episode where, oh, we're still on this? It's, it's been like however many episodes and we're still on this part of this battle. But it's good. And the reason I mention One Piece is because uh, in 2019, One Piece World Seeker came out for the Xbox One and PS4. And if you are a fan of an open world RPG aspect and One Piece, this is a game for you. This isn't some one of those, like, oh, it's just a little fighter game, or oh, we can try all these different characters, and it gives that little bit of nostalgia from the anime. No, this is, you are Luffy. You are going through the world, you are, this is just after, about the time that he learns hockey, and just like a regular RPG, as you progress through the story, as you progress through these different things, you are earning experience, and you can unlock those custom well known attacks you can unlock the gum gum bazooka uh the gum gum rocket, like you can have these bits of nostalgia from the anime and you can play as Luffy. I found it to be a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and I really recommend it for anybody that enjoys anime and likes that kind of interactive experience
0: now would you need to watch one piece in order to enjoy it, or is it just like can you enjoy it on its own?
1: you you could probably enjoy it on its own you may miss out on some of the like the character relations but all in all you should be able to enjoy it on its own i think it may be more key to those that have watched episodes up to i think it's like episode like 3 390 or so that i mean we're not going the full 1000 i mean if you've gotten up to I I guess episode 400, then you should be caught up on everything that would be going on before the character interactions of this game. There will be more nostalgia efforts if you do know the anime, but I think you should be able to play it just and have fun on its own. It may entice you to even want to watch the anime.
0: I don't know. I've been, my hands have been full lately with anime. Uh, My most recent anime that I've watched, and this is no lie, was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Just kidding! I know that's not an anime. I just wanted to piss off anime fans. I have been watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers though. Uh, I've been watching season one. I was at work two weeks ago, and I fell down a rabbit hole. With Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I like I, I was zoned out. <laughs> I didn't give a shit about work that day. It was an easy day, and uh, I started googling Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and just went on a rabbit hole. Uh, so I started watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the show, and it made me remind. It reminded me of. One of the first two games I got for Super Nintendo, one of which was Super Mario World, which obviously everyone and their mothers played. The second one was 1994, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for the Super Nintendo. I love this game. I beat it on stream a few years ago. It's just a side-scrolling beat-em-up. You start out the first part of the level as whatever Power Ranger you pick, you can pick from the initial five then in the second one, you can become, you morph into the Power Ranger. And it's interesting because in the first part of the game, they kind of encompass the actor's personality. Like, Billy was obviously the nerd, so whenever he, like, punched, he put one arm over his head, and he was kind of, like, fearfully punching with his other fist.
1: Oh, I remember that.
0: Uh, Jason and uh, Zach, they were, you know, the... Badasses, they had no problem fighting. Uh, Kimberly and and uh, Trini were you know the acrobatic kind of stuff, so they could flip and do that kind of stuff. What's funny is that in the show, the Yellow Ranger was a dude, and the when they whenever they transformed, they d- didn't have a skirt. Uh, it wasn't until they made it in America that Trini, the Yellow Ranger, was a chick. Well, in the game, when they transform into the Power Ranger. They all have the same physique, and it's all Jason. They're all buff dudes. <laughs> like, even Kimberly doesn't even have a skirt anymore. They're just big-ass buff dudes that just change the color of the fucking skin. That was it. I'm the Pink Ranger. Yeah. First crush, yo. But they had great music. Um, some of the best bosses from the series, they had Bones, Gnarly Gnome. It was, like, the whole first season, they had Bones, Gnarly Gnome, Eye Guy, Genie, Dark Warrior uh cyclops Cy- cyclopsis uh you can actually transform into the megazord now this wasn't the best power rangers game i think the best power rangers game hands down is a power rangers movie on the Sega genesis that was a great game but i feel like this one is the one that i have the most memories of and if you like side scrolling beat-em-ups i highly suggest mighty more power rangers very short game but i mean most super nintendo games that weren't rpgs were pretty short so you can't go wrong. And I think this one's actually pretty cheap too. I think you can probably get her for like 20 bucks.
1: I remember whenever you would transform into the Power Ranger and still do the side scrolling. If you were Zack, the Black Ranger, you could uh, pull out his axe. You hold it down, whatever, like punch or kick button. And he flips the axe around and shoots a little like ball of whatever out of the gun of his axe.
0: Oh, and don't forget the superpower where like you had these bombs And whenever you hit the bomb, the screen would flash whatever color that the Power Ranger you were uh, and then it would show their dinosaur or not dinosaur, whatever you want to call them. Um, And then rocks would fly up for some fucking reason, but then everything on the screen would die. And if you were doing against balls, they would have like a lot of damage.
1: Yes. I remember just spamming uh, Pink Ranger's bow all the time.
0: And they had the They had the dumbest sound effects. Everything you hit was like, and then it would have like a mini explosion sound effect. It didn't matter if you were punching a putty man or if you were punching a car. It was the same sound effect. It was very strange. Still a great game, though. Uh, Andrew, what do you got next on the old listy list of hidden gems?
1: So everybody that is old like us remembers when the Wii and the DS first came out, when they first tried to bring about that interactive screen. There were some games that they like really struggled and wanted. They wanted it to work. And like, you know, they tried Cook and Mama, which was good, but it was definitely catered for the younger age group. The one of the best games that I found that worked for both of those, the DS and the Wii, was Trauma Center. It was very in- engaging and interactive. It was difficult as well.
0: Oh, especially in later stages.
1: Oh, yes. Because, I mean, okay, well, what happened to one of them? You find out that you're like kind of this prodigy Mm -hmm. for operating. And this one point, you have this person that came in from a motorcycle accident. Well, they have lacerations. They have glass in their leg and this and that. And you have to cycle through your tools, cycle through your knowledge, and figure out the best way to engage On this operating table because you have his pulse rate up top you want to make sure that you don't lose him on the operating table that you don't go too heavy with the cutting with the i don't want to even say like inflicting damage but you kind of are every time that you
0: make a mistake
1: right you you hurt uh the person that's on the or table and it makes it more difficult for them to be responsive in a positive way to recovering but it had more real life operation vibes because whenever you find that oh there's a glass stuck in their leg you have to get your your pliers to be able to remove the glass out of the leg you want to make sure that it's uh you apply antiseptic to it that it's a clean wound that you suture it up properly afterwards you throw uh tape and gauze down um that you put uh your antiseptic paste on afterwards and oh well they they have a another issue with a bone that's broken underneath or something so you actually have to cut the skin open you have to cut it properly you have to cut it at the right spot the right steadiness and then open up the skin so that you can see the issue oh well, there's blood clots, so you have to use your uh, your needle and give a solution to help stop the blood clots in these areas. It was very engaging, it was very fun, and it really worked to enhance the experience of what they were trying to do for the hands-on, stylists, uh, Wii Remote at the TV experience that they
0: decided to create. I feel like you're right, that uh, that game would have not worked without the, the DS peripherals. The one thing I remember about those games was... So you always had to... It always started off from beginning to end. You had to cut open the person, perform the surgery, and then you had to suture them back up. I remember every time I sutured them, I would sign my name instead of doing the actual suture. It was the only thing I ever got rated poorly on. <laughs> because like, you would get ratings every time you did something. Like if you took the piece of glass out just right, it would be like, okay uh and then you did everything quickly to be like perfect or whatever but if you in order to suture it you had to go back and forth like a zigzag and i would just sign my name and it'd be like poor and i'm like i don't give a shit i'm fucking proud of this one boys i'm, I'm really glad you brought up uh the ds because uh i feel like portables in general kind of get overlooked and i'm gonna talk about two games which we've talked about before in the uh, just a little bit on previous episodes but I feel like it's it's obviously a very well-known series we both know and love it but I feel like these two games get overlooked there's even there's a couple of them that get overlooked the one I'm the ones I'm talking about are the Oracle series from Legend of Zelda Oracle Seasons Oracle of Ages they came out in 2001 for the Game Boy Color and I remember me and Andrew we were all over this we both loved Zelda uh, it was kind of like riding the Pokemon hype where you needed both games in order to complete the game Except these were actually two different standalone games. Uh, they each had their different stories. Oracle of Seasons, uh, you followed General Onyx, who was abducting uh, Din to make all the seasons uh, in utter chaos. And in Oracle of Ages, you had uh, the chick Varan, who used her power to control Nehru and disrupt the flow of time. And there's supposed to be a third one uh, that was never made. But these games. Full-fledged Zelda games. I mean, from start to finish, there's the typical dungeons. There's different items to collect. There's mini games to play. Uh, rubies to collect, obviously, so you can buy stuff. Heart uh, heart pieces to go about. And just because they were on Game Boy doesn't mean they were like short. These were pretty much the same length as Link's Awakening, if not longer. Uh, you can go around. I remember me and Andrew tried to collect. You can get these rings. In both of the games, and you could transfer the rings to the other other person, and then whenever you beat it, you would get a code, and then me and Andrew swap the games, and we would have to beat those games again because if you beat the game with the code, then you can go finally go to the final boss. So it's it's a game that I don't know why it gets sleeped on when when Legend of Zelda gets brought up, but I, I my only assumption is that it's because it's on the Game Boy, and people just kind of forget that those exist. They think about the the home console versions. I would say those those two together probably are top five Zelda games for me. Andrew, do you have much uh, to say about it?
1: No, I, I I remembered how we absolutely enjoyed working that dynamic. There's two games coming out. We'll each get one. I'll get red, you get blue. Just like with Pokemon when it came out. I'll get red, you get blue. And where we were able to play off of each other. And like you said you beat the one game you get a code at the end you can put the code in so that you're not really starting over for the uh for the paired game but you feel like you're continuing and that was a fun dynamic as well especially without having to buy both of them yourself we were able to just work off of each other's library
0: that always helped especially since we didn't have jobs
1: yes well, continuing on with the handheld idea, still going back to the DS, my next one is Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Now, I know Kevin will remember whenever that first came out, because me, him, and Sean would play different uh, parts of it. We'd get stuck on certain cases and the trials, but it was a very well-done, engaging, thinking game. If you don't know what Phoenix Wright is, you are an up-and-coming attorney. And you get certain cases that some of them seem mystical, some of them seem uh, impractical. But you have to kind of figure out, well, what's going on? Go and search the locations, go and you know, interrogate the witnesses, and, uh, go through the actual court case and cross-check the witness. It was a very thought-provoking judicial kind of game. And it was something that I never even thought that I'd even be interested in because, A, I don't like conflict, and B, it's, it's court cases. I don't give a shit about court cases. But
0: and C, I can't read.
1: <laughs> but going through and trying to figure out and have that strategy that I'm going to unlock the case kind of mystery, that was fun. It was very engaging. Um, they worked with the touchscreen aspect of the DS to figure out different spots of, well, we're going to check out the room or the, the scene of the crime or this or that, and I thought it was a lot of fun, especially when handhelds were still kind of a thing with the DS. I don't know if you can really, like, you could probably have it just as engaging without the handheld aspect, but just playing the game. I don't know. Is it uh is it available on anything else besides DS? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, me and my wife were actually playing it uh, a few months ago on Xbox.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, PlayStation, Xbox, uh, Switch, and Steam. You can try out the Phoenix Wright trilogy, and Phoenix Wright isn't the only uh one of it. They also created other like, I don't want to say off games, but like branches. Of the games from characters of it, because they tried uh, they made a Miles one, didn't they?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they made quite a few. Mr. Jean loves that series.
1: It's very good. Highly recommend.
0: Alright, so this next one I to talk about, uh, was one that Andrew had growing up. We played all the time. And it was uh something we loved growing up which was uh X Men. It was X Men 2 Clone Wars for the Sega Genesis came out in nineteen ninety five. Very tough game, as most of those games were back then. You could Play as six different characters: Cyclops, uh, Beast, Gambit, Nightcrawler, Psylocke, and Wolverine. Uh, I think we always wanted to play as either Nightcrawler or Gambit. I think. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting was when you play when you booted up the game, when you started up very first level, it didn't take you to like an introduction screen or nothing. You start a level, and it randomly picks one of the six characters. So me, I remember we would always reset. To get the character we wanted. And it was two players as well. So the second player could have been random. And each one had their own special powers. Uh, And so you had regular melee attacks that you could do. Or you could charge up your uh, special meter and do a special attack. Like Cyclops obviously had his fucking I-beams. But if you held it then he did a much bigger more powerful laser beam. That could like actually shoot through people. And Gambit had his cards and his pole or his staff. I don't think I ever chose Psylocke, mostly because I didn't know much of her. That
1: was my introduce. That was my introduction to Psylocke. I didn't know who she was beforehand, but I got to learn about her and figure out, oh, she manipulates kinetic energy.
0: Uh, Wolverine was really cool because if you stood still long enough, he would start healing. Uh, and a couple of them could actually crawl on the walls. Like I remember, Mister Beast was, or not Mister Beast. He's not a YouTuber. Beast, uh, was like the most boring to me. Uh, I don't even remember what his super... I think his superpower was like he just lunged or something. But a few of them could actually crawl. So Beast, Cyclops, and Wolverine could all claw, uh, crawl on the walls, which was really cool. So it was really interesting to see these these side-scroller beat-em-ups where the characters uh, not only did so many things, but they tried their best to incorporate their characters from the comic books and the shows into these these two-dimensional characters on the video game. Cause usually, like, like Power Rangers, just a fucking reskin. But for this, it, they actually put forth the effort. Wait,
1: who'd you who'd you say would crawl on the ceiling?
0: Uh, beast, nightcrawler. Who did I say? Gambit, Cyclops. I think you said
1: Cyclops. <laughs> I think you you meant Nightcrawler, but you said Cyclops.
0: Eh, they're all weird. <laughs> so you sorry. see him in lasers. Meow. That's how he did it. It was like a swing. Spider-Man swinging. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. Beast, Nightcrawler, and Wolverine. Nightcrawler was really cool because you could do his teleport power, and you could actually go through walls. And you could actually, if you landed next to an enemy, it had like an explosion effect. So that was that was a really great game. Uh, want to go back and eventually beat that? I never played the first one. Did you ever play the first one? I know you had the second one, but
1: that, that was that was our introduction to it. Was the second one? I went back and tried the first one. At one point, but it it didn't grab me as well as the second one did. So if we were to backpedal again, you know, as as I always like to do in my stories. And we go back to more strategy games. One that uh, I really enjoyed that I played a lot on the Xbox 360, but was also available on the PS3 and you can even get now on Steam and PC. It's called Record of the Agarest War. In that game, you start out as a, uh, a general in the military. Just a regular human. That you end up coming across supernatural beings. And you die. I can't even say spoiler. It's literally the introduction of the game. You die and a goddess is like, look, your work isn't done. I'm bringing you back, but you have to pledge your loyalty to me. I can sense a great... A greatness in you and your lineage, okay? You come back, you're a little stronger, you start to create a, a party throughout your adventures. and it's another turn-based game that it's kind of like it's kind of like a game that I don't see on your list that you were going to talk about, but it's, it's kind of like a game that uh, is similar to Shining Force that it's block, square-based, or or Final Fantasy Tactics. It's uh, block, square-based maps that are turn-based. You can see the listing of your turns, but you can also create combinations of attacks and such with the different characters that you have. You have different formations that you can start out in, and you can move around to create these links of how your characters can engage together in attacks and strategy against the enemy. It's a lot of fun for the battle aspect. Because you can equip people with whatever kind of weapons. that it's, it's in similar to Final Fantasy VII aspect. You can equip them with different weapons as well as attached magic. And you can create your strategy play style through that. You can alter it as you go. And... There's a heavy grinding aspect for not only leveling up your characters, but also finding and unlocking the new magics. So that, that part kind of threw me off a little with the heavy grinding aspect, but it's very rewarding when you do get to that point. The story is fun because as you go through, you're trying to stop the end of the world, essentially and as you do and as you go through like i said you're expanding your party well as you expand your party you come across companions who given your choices throughout your adventure and your story you can increase in fe- uh, affection or decrease affection with these companions and so it has a little bit of a dating simulator into it too because these companions could potentially be your mate and the game doesn't end with the first completion of the map, because whoever you have the highest affinity to, the closest affection to, you guys mate, and then have an offspring, and then you play as the offspring in the second generation. And then you go through almost the same kind of aspect. You, you run through, you grind, you increase your attacks, increase your magic, complete the story, you have companions, you have... Affection gauges, you go through, from what I've read, there's like four or five generations. That it's, it's a long-standing game, and I think the farthest I've got before my ADD kicked in was I think I got to like halfway in the third generation. But I mean, the cool thing is, whoever you end up as your companion, your offspring ends up having attack affinities that are kind of related to who its parents were. So if your parent was more of like a, a dual wielding user, then you may have a uh, dual wielding weapons. If they were more like bare knuckle fist fighting, you may be fist fighting. If you were more magic oriented, you may be more magic oriented. That kind of like ancestry lineage carrying on, carrying over. I thought that was a fun and interesting aspect. That it's not just like oh yeah, pff, well your first hero is done. Let's, let's load in your second area. No, there's, there are consequences to your actions. Your actions have, I don't want to necessarily say rewards, but you see the fruits of what you've accomplished.
0: It sounds like a short game. Oh, very short. I bet the speed round's like two minutes.
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I don't know why more people haven't done it.
0: I think that's the one that you, uh, isn't that the one you gave me on steam? Yeah, I think
1: the, the first one is only like a few bucks on Steam, but there are several of them. There's, uh, there's Record of the Aggress War, Record of the Aggress War 2, Record of the Aggress War Zero, which was technically like a prequel that I think was only released originally on the PS3. Um, I think there's a more dating simulator one that's like Record of the Aggress War Marriage that's available on Steam. It's, it's a good game. And if you have time and, and uh, a couple of bucks that you want to try out, try it out on Steam, play through it for a little bit, you know, come back to it. It doesn't have to be like a full sit down. I'm going to beat this game tonight. No. Yeah. You know, just chip away at it.
0: It's like Animal Crossing, except with war. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. You can't romanticize the in- Well, I mean, you can, but that leads into a dark area of the internet we don't want to talk about. Right now, Andrew, my next one is uh, another game that you had of us growing up. Uh, well, you had growing up that we played all the time, which I believe we talked about on this podcast before, and it would surprise me if we didn't. Uh, called Illusion of Gaia 1994 on Super Nintendo. Uh, this one was very interesting. Uh, you play it as Will, and you attack things with your flute. I know that sounds really weird. But it it didn't f- seem like a flute. Like it, I probably wouldn't have known it was a flute if I didn't like rewatch the video.
1: No, because he has that little spin, like lunge it like a like a like a rapier. He like lunges and then he spins it.
0: Yeah, and he can he can actually spin the the flute to make wind and stuff like that. But you can also later on you get uh, two different characters called Friedan and Shadow that do different things. Friedan uh, was like a I always saw him as an adult version of Will. He was big and muscular. He's like Johnny Bravo with long hair. And then there was Shadow, who was like the mysterious black figure that was basically a shadow. But the the visuals and the places you would go in that game was very interesting. It's was, it was another game that was trying to be like Legend of Zelda. So you just went around kicking enemies' ass, and the enemies would drop essentially XP it's to level up different aspects of your character. But you would go to very cool areas, like they had some Incan ruins, uh, I believe it was kind of like a pseudo Great Wall of China, there were some areas where you went to the pyramids, and then the, like even the final area was the Tower of Babel. It was it was all very interesting, and uh, just seeing the game, like seeing it today, it was amazing what they could accomplish graphically on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Because it compares to Legend of Zelda as far as gameplay, but when it comes to the actual uh, visualization of it, it's it's night and day. Like you can actually tell you're playing a human, where it still felt like Link was sort of you know a 16-bit character. Another one that has fantastic music in it. Uh, I believe this one, funny enough, actually has a randomizer, so it's not exactly a hidden gem, but I feel like. Again, just one where when you hear Super Nintendo, this isn't one that anyone thinks of too much.
1: No, it was definitely a fun game. Anytime you had, uh, you said, like, the adult character, he always made me think of, like, a Hercules. (laughs) Because he was very, like, Gladiator-esque with his bigger sword.
0: (laughs) He definitely had to walk sideways through doors, for sure. He was a beefcake, and I wanted more. I wanted second helping of it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> insert Johnny Bravo soundbite here.
0: <laughs> what else you got there, champ?
1: Uh, getting close to wrapping up. There was a game that I think I originally played over your house. I didn't have a lot of PSP games growing up. Uh, I think I only ended up having about two or three as it is, like besides the the one Final Fantasy, was it Crisis Core where you could play as Zack? Mm-hmm. The other one that I like played so much more was infected and it was so engaging and interesting for its time and the concept of infected is you are in this almost post-apocalyptic era this there are zombies running around there are people that are infected it's almost like they like skipped ahead to 2020 or realized, oh, this is what we're going to make the coronavirus reflect what infected was. Now, you're this guy that runs around and giving you kind of Resident Evil vibes you have infected that are coming at you, near you. And in this top-down view, you're moving around. You have two different types of weapons that you can shoot. You have regular ammunition weapons, pistols. Assault rifles, shotguns, even a rocket launcher. But using your other bumper, you're actually shooting your own blood. Because you found out, similar to, like, what was it, Last of Us and other games, that your blood wasn't affected by this virus, this disease. You are essentially, I can't say cured, because you weren't really diseased. You were able to not be infected so because of that your blood is actually a weapon and the aspects of going around the different maps trying to save some people that were still not hostages but captive in areas trying to hide from other people that were infected there were some very hard bosses in that (laughs) you would have to actually shoot them with your ammunition weapons to Weaken them, and then you shoot them with your blood to finish them off. And then there are sometimes that you're just running in circles, and you literally have an entire horde following around behind you, and you just turn around and pop, 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 pew, pew, pew. Run some more. Oh, I finally got far enough ahead. Pop, 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 pew, 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 For the PSP, it was a fun game, and the concept and the way that they were able to make it engaging gameplay. Didn't feel like a lot of the other games, or didn't feel like they just s- slapped it together and threw it together. It was well done, and it actually felt like a decent handheld game to be able to continue going back and playing. I haven't played it since <laughs> the way back when, but so I don't know how well it holds up because I know you said in the last time we played or last time we talked about how Jedi Power Battles did not hold up. <laughs> I'm curious now whether or not Infected held up or not. I'm sure it did. I did play it a few years after its release again and it still held up then, but that was still over six years ago.
0: There's two things I remember about Infected. One was how gory it was. Uh it was just massive amounts of explosion and blood and guts and stuff.
1: Oh yeah, because when you shoot them with your blood, they pop yeah, they explode. explode. It's not just it's not just oh they keel over because you cured them with your uh, your non infected blood. No, they actually go.
0: The second thing is, and what this is what amazes me that it's such a hidden gem, is that the music in this game was done by Slipknot, and the slip all nine members of Slipknot were actually in the game. You could play, and if you, I think you had to get certain challenges or something, you could actually unlock the characters. You can play as Slipknot characters in the game. So the fact that such like a huge band pretty much did the entirety of the in-game soundtrack and was actually in the game uh, kind of blows me away that not many people knew about this game. But, I mean, there it is. I mean, just because you have somebody famous attached to it, I guess, doesn't mean it's going to be a very popular game. But I enjoyed it. I, I can't remember what made me pick it up, but I remember seeing a GameStop. I was like, man, that looks fun as shit.
1: And it's not like there was artwork that really grabbed you. It's literally, it's just a, what, a a black hand on a red background?
0: Yeah, it's like Left for Dead, except at least Left for Dead had, like, the fingers missing. This one was just a full-blown human hand. We know. <laughs> yeah. Next on my list is, it's a game that me and Andrew played growing up. Uh, we played one, and we played two on the Dreamcast. The first one uh, we played on, I believe, PS2 was fighting force 1997 uh this is just your typical you know beat up game kind of like streets of rage uh or crash crashers or even the simpsons back in the day the uh the arcade game but um i think what drew us to this game was you could play as uh two big titted chicks and we're like oh fuck yeah so that's probably what drew us to it initially but it was a very fun game And I did some research on it, and I have to, this is the first time Andrew's hearing as well, I have to share with you guys the story. So, I didn't know there was a story, I I think we just kind of like mashed through and we wanted to beat things up. But uh, the bad guy, his name is Dr. Dex Zing. He's a criminal mastermind, and he has an army at his command. And Dr. Dex Zing predicted that the world would end in the year 2000. Well, after New Year's Eve 1999, the world didn't end. Uh, So Dr. Zhang believed that there was an error preventing the apocalypse, so he decides to correct it by destroying the world himself.
1: As any uh, (laughs) mad scientist
0: would. (laughs) Yeah, as any sane person would. Like, obviously, no, it's the children that are wrong. (laughs) Fucking just does it himself. Uh, You pick between four different characters. There's like this big, really big like Hulk looking guy. There was the the main cool dude who probably wore a leather jacket where the fuck he was going. And then two hot chicks. I always thought they were police officers, but it turns out they weren't.
1: I thought they were too.
0: <laughs> um, I think the chicks are teenagers, actually. But you would just—you can pick up cars, you can throw it to people, you get guns. It was just a very—I think it didn't take itself too seriously. I think is what I enjoyed about it the most. And it was—it's—I mean, it's just a good up, good beat 'em up. So if you uh, you got a hole in your life that needs uh, some. Hot Chicks beating up bad guys.
1: Big titty beat-em-ups.
0: Yeah, well, a mad scientist tries to take over or not take over the world, but destroy the world because he thought that it should have been destroyed. Then uh Fighting Force, uh along with its sequel on Sega Dreamcast, so like what we played it on, it's on multiple things, but Fighting Force definitely definitely worth a look. Good pick. Good pick. Do you have something to grace us with your your last pick?
1: My last pick is going to be more of an all-encompassing series. And I know that uh, Mr. Sean has played quite a few of these and he's enjoyed them. I've played a few of them. I've enjoyed them. I even mentioned in the beginning of this that I am playing one currently. It's the Tales series. T-A-L-E-S. I am currently playing Tales of Arise. I go back as far as the GameCube where I played Tales of Symphonia. But the Tales series, just like Final Fantasy, has been around for many years. Uh, Tales series have actually been around since 95, where uh, on the Super Famicom, Tales of Fantasia released. And I know I'm going to butcher some of these names, and I'm sorry, but since then, uh, Tales of Fantasia, 95, 97, Tales of Destiny, 2000, Tales of Eternia, 2002, uh, Destiny 2, Tales of Destiny 2, 2003, Tales of Symphonia, 2004, Rebirth, 2005, Legendia, Legandia, as well as Tales of the Abyss. 07, Tales of Innocence. 08 had Tales of uh, Vesperia, as well as Tales of Hearts. 11 and 12, Tales of Zillia 2, or Zillia and Zillia 2. Oh, 09, Tales of Graces. And if you're more into, you've seen a lot more recent games, uh, even if you were looking on Amazon for like some PS4 games that are like JRPGs, you've probably seen Tales of Zestria, or uh I always called it Bersailles, but I know I'm probably butchering that. It's B-E-R-S-E-R-I-A, and that was both in uh 2015 and 16. So there was a good stretch from 2016 to 2021 when they released Tales of Arise, and I greatly enjoy Tales of Arise as well on the PS5, like I mentioned earlier. They, they have good stories. There's usually the, the fun dynamics between... Your main character as well as your side characters, you can switch around with who you are, who you want to create as your main character, but you still have that uh, overall story that comes through that everybody's engaged in. If you want to sink some time into a fun little RPG for a little while, check out one of the Tales series. It's definitely going to be worth your time.
0: I don't think I've ever played a Tales game. I'm trying to think. And I don't, I don't think I have, I think I had so many RPGs to play that like that one kind of just got lost in the sauce.
1: Well, I think cause within our circle, Final Fantasy was much more mm-hmm. relevant
0: for sure. For sure. Still is. Was listening to Final Fantasy soundtrack today doing dishes. Shit just tits right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know.
1: Oh, I know. But I mean, that's my, that's my wrap up pick. What, what do you got,
0: Kev? Uh my last one I actually just got in the mail a couple of days ago. Huzzah. I've been wanting this to get this again. I wouldn't mind having a box version, but the box version is way more expensive. Uh and it's Mischief Makers for night uh for N sixty four, came out in nineteen ninety seven. I picked this game up randomly at uh
1: Blockbuster.
0: No, nah, it wasn't Blockbuster. It was um up in Delmar. Someplace my dad used to take me every once in a while to go look at some cheap used games.
1: Oh, was it over at the, like, the flea market at Johnny
0: Gnostics? Yep.
1: My dad would take me there, too.
0: That's exactly where it was. So, Mischief Makers is a fantastic game. The best way to describe it as a whole is the whole thing reminds me of Astro Boy. Uh, You play a robot who has, like, jet propulsion, super strength. Uh, all the stuff that Astro Boy does there's um, the main drawings are done in like an anime style and when you actually play the game it actually reminds me of the Astro Boy look uh, from the Game Boy Advance game Astro Boy Uh, it's kind of like a mix of claymation trying to look realistic kind of like the way Yoshi's Story uh, for 64 was basically it's a 2D, it's a first. It's the first 2D side-scrolling game on the N64. You're a, you're a robotic maid named Marina, uh, and you go to go rescue uh, the guy who created you, Professor Theo. Uh, it's action levels. There's some puzzle levels to it, and basically you interact by everything by using your strong ass fucking hands and grabbing it, and you can either grab it and throw it. You can grab it and pull it, or you can grab it and shake it, and that's what's so awesome about this game is the dumbass fucking. There's a little voice thing you can just lift up little robots, and you can just make them cry because they would have like the cartoon tears flow from their face, and you can just shake them up and down, and she would just go shake, 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 and shake, shake. And we, had, I just remember me and Andrew playing that shit, just shaking the shit out of robot baby clay, clay babies, uh, for hours. Um, very big game uh, I think it had like 40 levels or something to it and it's not like the levels were short so it was on par of length probably with like Yoshi's story on Super Nintendo just a good side scrolling platform beat em up but not, not beat em up but like action oriented with some puzzle aspects to it just a game that I feel like it's it's very like when you see it when you play it it's very Japanese-ish uh, it's kind of why it reminds me so much of Astro Boy.
1: Kind of reminds you a little bit of that, uh, what was it, that Cartoon Network show, Robot Girl? Or...
0: Oh, uh, My Life as a Teenage Robot? Yes. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And it's very weird. There's. Uh, I-, I think it was recently found, so at the very beginning it asks your age. And it asks your age and it changes one thing throughout the entire game. And I think it's if you're older than 16 or 18 or something, at the very end, it changes her from a little girl to an adult. And it's for like, it's not even like a, like a motion picture thing. It's literally just a picture. And it's at the very end credits. That's the only thing that changes. So if you get the game and you're like, what's well, the no matter of my birthday is or how old I am, that's literally it. <laughs> so you can Google both images if you would like. But definitely definitely a game I wish would, maybe it'll grace the Nintendo Switch uh, N64 Library that they have going because the ones they have on there are the ones that everyone's heard of and everyone's played. Not to sm- not to say they're bad games, just wish they threw some more on there that you know, kind of like Mission Makers that didn't get the love and attention.
1: More uncommon ones.
0: Yeah, so that's that's my list. We have a few others. There's obviously very, very many games out there that need more love and attention, but these are the ones that we want to discuss today. So we we might compile a list and knocks more out as time goes on. Hell, even Xbox Series X and Xbox One and PS4, they'll have some hidden gems that that got uh missed by the general public. But as always, we would love to hear uh your thoughts on any kind of hidden gems you think that deserve some praise and attention. Maybe if enough attention gets brought to them, they'll finally make a sequel to it. You know, that's that's basically why these sequels don't get made is cuz these these games get buried in they just don't get bought up because for some reason they just weren't as popular. Uh, not to admit, not to say they were bad games, just they didn't get the love and attention that we all felt like they'd serve. So if you want to hit us up at Twitter, at uh, VGL underscore podcast, or hit us up on Instagram with VGL underscore podcast. Send them some pictures of you playing the games that you think are hidden gems. Send us box art, send, send us some images, or just tweet at us and add us at Twitter let us know the games that uh, that you felt like definitely some hidden gems. Or if you just want to argue that maybe the ones we had aren't hidden gems. Maybe they either suck or you feel like there is enough attention brought to them.
1: Or, hey, you went out and tried it and you enjoyed it
0: too. Like I said, just just hit, up, hit us up on uh, Twitter or Instagram, whichever one you guys prefer. Uh, just yell at us. We don't really care. You guys can literally just type, we'll we'll give it a heart thing on Twitter, and we'll reply, thanks for the comment, my guy or my lady, and then we'll tip a fedora, and we'll go on from there. But (laughs) we hope you enjoyed this episode. Still no word on when John's gonna be coming back. So if you guys were hoping we'd have some info on that, nothing yet, but he might be joining us here in a few more episodes so just listen to me and andrew for a little while longer we promise we still love you just as much as john loves you it's not him it's you uh i think that's all i got to say on that topic anything to add andrew uh i think you touched on everything in that case this is kevin that's andrew hope you guys enjoyed the episode we'll see you guys next time love you bye bye You can be Zach, Kelly, fucking Luke Bryan, whatever their names are. Luke Bryan? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Zach, Kimberly, Trina, Jason, Jason Billy. Jason.
0: I, I can never remember Jason's name for some reason.
1: This episode edited by Kevin. Uh-huh.